Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Steve Zinsmeister and Zach Larson in for Mitch Vereldis on Arizona Sports Saturday. Thanks for spending part of your weekend here with us. The Bears traded the number one pick in the draft yesterday. They're going to get two firsts, two seconds. DJ Moore, pretty good wide receiver for Justin Fields to throw to. That moves the Bears down to nine where the Panthers were sitting. The Panthers move up to one, presumably to get their quarterback of choice. I don't know who that is. A lot of people think Bryce Young is the most poised quarterback in this draft. I'll tell you what, Vegas odds for C.J. Stroud shot through the roof for him to be the number one overall pick. I don't know what Vegas knows, but those are some pretty smart people out there. And that might be the pick at number one all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I could even see Will Levis somehow emerging as the top. It, there, There is four good quarterbacks in this class. I want to say one sits above the others. I do think C.J. Stroud, though, out of all four, is probably the best candidate. And probably Vegas is sitting there thinking, well, he's going to have the best career. So He's got the size that Bryce Young doesn't. He's got the arm that Will Levis does. He's got the athleticism that Anthony Richardson. I don't. I don't know why C.J. Stroud's not the consensus number one overall. I'm an Ohio State fan, so right, I'm completely right. biased in all of this. But I look at like the talent level, the strength of schedule in college, who they played against, the level of success. I mean, he's got just as much pedigree as Bryce Young does, except he didn't win the Heisman Trophy. I don't need him to win a trophy. No. Robert Griffin III won a trophy. Mm. How good was he in the pros? No. Re- really good for one year. but Good, and then, <laughs> and then injury derailed that entire trip. But yeah, I mean, like, Will Levis, actually, it's funny you say that he could be number one. He's the one of the four that I would say definitively is not going to be number one. Really? Because Anthony Richardson is the darling of this draft class. People are falling in love with the athleticism. I, I get a kick out of this every year, Zach. There's always players at every position who just fly up draft boards because they ran fast without pads on or because they lifted a barbell a bunch of times in a row. It's great. You'd rather do that than not. You'd rather do really well at the combine than drop a bunch of passes or whatever. But it's hilarious how we fall in love with a player like Anthony Richardson and forget about maybe some of the flaws they had when you look at the tape. Right, yeah. I, I did a draft profile here uh, for Arizona Sports, and the one thing that I saw immediately was a 53% accuracy. Now, in college football, most of the plays are bubble screens or you know, kind of short <laughs> dink and dunk kind of throws. Yeah. So the fact that he's got that with that kind of play style in that... Now, again, he's in the SEC, so a lot of the defenses in the SEC, that's where they're built. That's where all the best prospects come from. And yes, he's playing with college-level receivers. Ricky Pearsall, former ASU product, transferring over to Florida. I wouldn't say that he is an NFL-like receiver to compare to. But at the same time, you know, you got these other quarterbacks that are 65% into the 70s. It's like, you kind of have to look at that and, and think... Okay, Josh Allen was inaccurate in college, but he got to the pros. He was inaccurate his first year and made that tremendous jump in accuracy. Can you replicate that with an Anthony Richardson? It's very hard to do, and I don't know if he could do it. It's probably the exception, not the norm. Yes. Uh, So for the Cardinals, sitting at number three, I think that this trade-up for the Panthers does a couple of things. Number one, it probably sets up the draft to be quarterback, quarterback, And then the Cardinals at number three, where they could stay pat and draft somebody who's not a quarterback. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Will Anderson, pass rusher out of Alabama. Uh, He seems to be the top 
player available. Jalen Carter has been talked about as the most talented player. He's going through some legal stuff right now. Uh, he might slip a little bit in that first round. He'll probably be there at number three. Tyree Wilson, pass rusher out of Texas Tech, which I, I find ironic because they just fired their coach who was from Texas Tech, but you never know. It's more about the player at this point. Right. The Cardinals have the ability to take who they want that's a non-quarterback at number three, but there's always still the chance that they move back in the first round. The question is, who would they move back with? Because for the last two weeks on this show, I've been pitching the idea of them trading with Carolina at nine. Carolina at nine moved to number one, so that's no longer really an option. Uh, And I don't anticipate the Bears wanting to move back up, so moving to number nine doesn't make sense to me. What might make sense, the Raiders are in the top ten, the Seahawks are at number five, and I don't like trying to make any team in my division better, but at the same time, you got to take the best deal available to you. And I know that they just re-upped with Geno Smith, but Seahawks people in Seattle are still talking about if the guy that you love is there, you got to make the move. That's still a possibility. I will say this. I think the Cardinals are lucky that the Bears made a move with the Panthers and not the Colts at number four. The reason being... With the Colts sitting at number four and needing a quarterback, there is still a desire for teams to jump the Colts and move up to number three where the Cardinals are. That brings value to your pick. So now Monty Fort has a little bit more certainty and knows, okay, the guy I want, let's say it's Will Anderson, is probably going to be there. So that's good. But also, too, my pick just became more valuable because Indy is still sitting there, and I can go tell the Raiders. I can go tell... The Seahawks, I can go tell, I don't know, Tampa Bay, if they're way, way down, I can go tell them, hey, if you want a quarterback and you want to get in on this, you need my pick because Indy's coming at number four. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I think we, we've we talked about, right, the, the Cardinals, everyone on this station. Will Anderson is undoubtedly, if he is there, you're taking him. So if, yeah, if you can manage some sort of great trade with Indy where you get extra compensation for just moving down one spot and you still get Will Anderson, that's that's a home run. That That is that is doing everything right if you're mon- money office in Fort. The only thing, though, is that I think with these other teams, like maybe even the Jets, right, who are drafting 13th in the first round, you swap with one of these teams. You really have to look down the list of this draft class and you have to be confident in the players outside of Will Anderson to say, I want to make that deal because I believe I can still get a first round talent that's going to match what Will Anderson brings to the table. All the scouts and everybody are saying Will Anderson is a generational player. So you have to find someone equivalent to that if you're going to trade down below Indy. I personally don't think there is a player that immediately comes to my head that that can match what the production that Will Anderson would bring, especially with the fact of how just rough the Arizona Cardinals defensive line has looked last season and just over the couple years when they haven't had a guy like Chandler Jones or Marcus Golden or Hassan Reddick step up and put up 11 and a half sacks in a season. Here's an out of the box idea. I haven't thought about this until just now. I haven't heard anybody talking about this. We assume that the value of somebody moving up to number three with the Cardinals pick is to get a quarterback. You jump Indianapolis like we talked about. You're assuming there's a run on quarterbacks at one and two. What if somebody wanted to move up for the best player in the draft that's not a quarterback? Is there any team from 
number four through number 10 or maybe even 12 that would consider moving up for a position player, for a Will Anderson? Does somebody fall in love with the best draft prospect in total that's not a quarterback and look to move up? Detroit is sitting at six. They've got two firsts, two seconds, and a third this year. They've certainly got some capital. Chicago moved back to nine. I don't know that they would move back up to three, but they certainly have the capital to move around within the draft. Would anybody be thinking about moving up for Will Anderson? And if you're the Cardinals, do you let them do that? I mean, that's the thing. Again, I, I that's why I think this situation is the only team you can really trust to trade with to at least guarantee that you're going to get one of the best players in this draft is Indianapolis. You move down one. You move down one. You still get your guy. Get your guy, Will Anderson or whoever. And you get an additional maybe draft pick or maybe a player. A from couple maybe. You yeah. might get a couple mid-round picks, third, yeah. fourth. It, it just it just makes more sense because you 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 see this Will Anderson just, again, the, the scouting report on him is just tremendous. It just everybody is glowing about him. And even Jalen Carter, you know, aside from the legal issues, he is also one of the generational talents. So maybe if his draft stock falls down as we're seeing it so far as he's no longer in contention for is it Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, then maybe you can trade with a Detroit Lions who want Will Anderson, even though I think with Aiden Hutchinson, I mean, it would be a dynamic duo without a doubt. That would be an insane line. And I think the Lions are in aggressive mode now with this team. But at the same time, I, I... I can't see the Cardinals trading down with a team to draft Will Anderson when they can just do it themselves and yeah, and just have that talent with them. I guess it would only it would only be a good idea if you're very comfortable with taking that player that you're getting at five through ten or wherever you're moving down to. Right. Uh, there's certainly some def- decent offensive linemen. Uh, Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State is down there. Peter Skaronsky is a name that's getting tossed around. If you're looking at one of those cornerbacks. Those are some options. So you could move down and accumulate some other picks. I, I think that that's certainly still an option for Monty Austinport and the Cardinals. But I think you're right. I think if somebody does want to move up to three, the appeal of doing that is to get one of those top quarterbacks. Right. Could you imagine a scenario where Carolina gets their quarterback, Houston gets a quarterback, Arizona moves down with God knows who, they get a quarterback, and then Indianapolis could stay at four and get the fourth quarterback. Yeah. You could have four quarterbacks go off the board in the first four picks. That's not out of the realm of possibility. It's not. And I wouldn't say it's likely, but... I mean, there's there's a good chance. There's a very good chance. But And with the Cardinals, they have many holes to plug. So even if they trade down, they can still try to find the best talent at whatever position they need. Coming up next, the Suns will have to live without Kevin Durant for at least three weeks. Then he gets reevaluated. Is there something that they can accomplish in those three weeks while he's not playing? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Steve Zinsmeister with you. Zach Larson is in for Mitch Varelis here on Arizona Sports Saturday. I hope you didn't uh, spend your life savings on Suns tickets, hoping that Kevin Durant was going to make his debut this past week. That did not end up happening. A great video shot by our own Kellen Olsen who is sitting courtside watching warm-ups when Kevin Durant tweaked his ankle. Looks like he's going to be reevaluated in three weeks, uh, which doesn't mean he's back in three weeks, by the way. That means they'll figure out where we're at timetable-wise in three weeks. 
He could come back then if he's ready. It could push towards later and later in the regular season. But one thing is for sure, the Phoenix Suns have to figure out who are we without Kevin Durant and then just kind of add him to the mix before they get to the playoffs. Exactly. Kind of how this team was before they traded for or when once they traded for him, it was, okay. how do we integrate Kevin Durant into this lineup? And I think in the first three games, we saw how effective this team was with him in that starting uh, four position, starting three for whatever spot he was in. Um, I, I think you're exactly right. This is a team that has got to figure out its identity when Kevin Durant is going to be double teamed in the playoffs. Kind of like how Book against the Mavericks in Game 7, when he was double teamed, the rest of the team thought, what the hell are we going to do? Well, we I don't I don't know how to shoot the basketball. I don't know how to score offensively. So <laughs> that's, that's where this team is going to have to really grow in these next couple weeks, even if it's a loss after a loss and just kind of racking those up. They just have to really find themselves. And some of these role players, like we mentioned earlier, like a guy like Damian Lee, who really has had a rough stretch shooting the ball after a hot start to the season from beyond the arc, he really has got to step up in these next couple weeks and nail his three-point shots and become that shooter that he was earlier because that is a guy who, coming off the bench, will change a game. Kind of like how Ish Wainwright did so in that Dallas game we saw a couple days ago. Uh, especially with uh, Landry Shamit's situation being the way that it is. If he's not available with regularity, then Damian Lee becomes that much more important. Reading from Kellen Olson's article at ArizonaSports.com, he writes, All six of the mainstays in the starting lineup have had injuries at one point preventing uh, the projected five from getting on the court together. Phoenix has only had 10 of its 66 games with that, with all five available and ready to go. Going a step further, looking at the starters when four of the expected five were in, it's only 16 games. That means there are 40 of the Suns' 66 games when they've had at least two missing starters, and yet they're 37-29. and Still a pretty good team, despite not having most of your starters available all at the same time. Ten games where they've all consistently played together, plus you throw in a major blockbuster trade in the middle of the season that alters the entire construction of your roster. There has been little to no consistency for the Phoenix Suns throughout the course of the regular season. Right, and again, like comparing it to last season, it was a year where they just completely steamrolled everybody. They were the best of the best. They really cared about being atop the Western Conference and getting that home court advantage. From last season, they have learned that the regular season means absolutely nothing except for getting home court advantage in the playoffs if you're one of the top four teams. And they've come to accept that, and they are willing to rest some guys, maybe not really push the the throttle on maybe a guy like Kevin Durant, who, even if he's ready to play March 31st, which is the expected timetable for three weeks, they might even decide, hey, we're going to keep you because we want you to be as healthy as possible for a deep postseason run. So it, it's just, this team has overcome a lot with health concerns, and Pieces that are not on this team, like a Mikel Bridges, stepped up earlier in the year to give this team some of those wins in the earlier months. This season, like you said, it's been inconsistent, and unfortunately, you know, without Kevin Durant, there is a likelihood they're they're going to drop a couple of these games, maybe drop in the standings. But I think once he returns, and I don't think he's going unless it's completely like a season-ending injury. I think he's going to be back in time for the playoffs, and I don't think they're going to care if they're an eight seed or a seven seed. They know 
they can go on the road and beat whoever if they need to. And you'd rather the injury be now than three weeks from now. Exactly. So I guess that's another silver lining. If there is anything that the Suns can accomplish while Durant is out, let's say you said March 31st, a possible return date. Let's just use that as an example. We mm-hmm. don't know that he's coming back then, but let's let's mark our calendar there. That's against Denver uh, in Phoenix on March 31st. If that's when he would return, that means that Durant misses 10 games, by my estimation. Realistically, I'd like for the Suns to go 6-4, and four, and that's without really looking game by game. I mean, Sacramento's hard. Golden State just won a title last year. Milwaukee is hard. The uh, Lakers are starting to figure stuff out. Sacramento is hard. Again, Philadelphia is a tough game. If you go 6-4 and four in that 10-game stretch, I feel confident that you're not dropping precipitously in the standings. That's good because my one objective for while Durant is out, well, my one statistical objective is to be top four and get home court advantage. Yeah. Because like you mentioned last year, they went through this experiment where they put the pedal to the metal. Uh, I think JaVale McGee was on this station saying something like we're going to put our our foot on their necks, you know, like we're going to choke them out the rest of the year and we're going to win as many games as we can. That was the metaphor. And where did it get you? You get a first round with the Pelicans, who are pretty tough, but you beat the Pelicans, and then you're just exhausted. Chris Paul falls apart against Dallas. Yeah. None of the role players really stepped up. Uh, certainly some sort of rift happened with Jay Crowder after that series. Uh, DeAndre Ayton yells at Coach Monty Williams, and then all of a sudden there's a rift there. It's just been drama never ever since. So for me, be a top-four team in the West, which is certainly uh, accomplishable. The Nuggets are uncatchable at this point. They are beyond everyone else. They're six games up on the Kings and the Grizzlies. The Kings, as well as they're playing 8-2 and two in their last 10, uh, I don't even know that you're catching the Kings necessarily, but they're only two and a half up on the Suns. That's not an insurmountable lead on them. The Grizzlies are kind of falling apart. Yeah, That's the wild card here because the Grizzlies are 5-5 five and five in their last 10. John Morant has been away from the team. Brandon Clark goes down. Steven Adams is missing. That team doesn't have any veterans on it. That worries me tremendously for a playoff push. I feel confident that the Suns can be in the top four. Yeah, but also with this stretch of 10 games, right? You mentioned the teams they're playing. There's a lot of tough opponents. You've got, like you said, the best of the East with Milwaukee. You've got the Lakers who are coming in. And that's the other thing, too. If they start losing games, if over the next 10 games they go 2-8 and eight without Kevin Durant, I mean, you're looking at a team that is close to 500, and that's below, like, teams. I think the Clippers right now are are the biggest threat to overtake the Suns in the next couple of days. I think the Mavericks are still, they're kind of reeling, so they're maybe going to sit behind. Like you said, the Warriors have been horrible on the road. I don't think they're a threat. But yeah, you get, if the Lakers get on a hot streak and they beat the Suns, we can see a lot of these teams just start to overtake them in the, the rankings and or the standings. And then... When Kevin Durant returns, he's got to climb up this hill to try to get home court advantage. So it's it's going to be interesting. Last month of basketball, I'm I'm just hoping this Suns team doesn't completely lose the objective of trying to win without Kevin Durant because I don't want them to think the three games that they won with KD means that they need to rely on him to come up with the big baskets. Uh, the game against the Thunder, I think, was proof that that they're capable of taking on any team and still putting up wins. Yeah, I think you just have to figure out what you are without Durant, and when he is ready to return, whenever that is, regular season, postseason, whatever it is, he's just the icing on top of the cake. He's the cherry on top. He's, he's bonus. 
And I know that that's a big, big bonus, and you'd like to rely on that guy. You'd like to work him into the lineup now and figure out what you are with him so that you're as comfortable as possible for the postseason. I get that. It's not a possibility right now. It's just not an option. So right now, I think you need to find a way to be a winning team without him. And that's not to say that wins and losses are the most important thing over the next three to four weeks, but I'm with you. You cannot fall apart all of a sudden and hope that Durant is the savior that's going to take you to the playoffs. Fortunately, they've played a lot of games without their star players this year, and they've been just fine. Exactly. So if that continues, hopefully we're all good. Coming up next, speaking of all good, uh, the Arizona Cardinals. They were out scouting a new star-wide receiver, potentially, but don't, don't they already have one, Hopkins? Or have they finally found a trade suitor for him? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Veraldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, thanks for spending part of your weekend here with us on Arizona Sports Saturday. Steve Zinsmeister in with Zach Larson today, filling in for Mitch. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals were one of several teams spotted out at a workout for Odell Beckham Jr. Heard of him? Uh, he's doing a workout at ASU's campus. Many teams showed up, the Cardinals included, and it's starting to make you wonder what's going on with that wide receiver room. We obviously know that DeAndre Hopkins, there's been trade rumors uh, that that might be an option that they, they take, moving him to another team. One interesting nugget, by the way, about D-Hop is that I read that his no-trade clause was nullified because of his suspension. That means that you don't have to get his approval for where he goes, meaning you just opened yourself up from potentially trading him to a contender to now you could trade him anywhere that you see fit and get the best package in return. Uh, Is there any reason to believe that the Cardinals being out at an Odell Beckham Jr. workout affects the DeAndre Hopkins situation? I don't think it necessarily dictates or determines that Hopkins will be traded and they have a solution or whatnot. Because, like you mentioned it earlier, it was almost a third of the teams that are watching Odell Beckham Jr. working out. Because even though he's a year removed from playing football, he is one of the more talented receivers. And when he was picked up by the Rams, I mean, he turned them into a Super Bowl team. Played well, yeah. I, I think... The Cardinals are just keeping their op- options open. Um, again, we've mentioned Hopkins is probably gone, I would say, unless y- you really got to turn something around here with this this culture and this organization to convince Hopkins to want to stay. But like you mentioned, with that no-trade clause, no longer do you have to go to Hopkins and say, okay, where do you want to go? You now have the potential to go after a team maybe – that isn't necessarily good, but has a lot of draft compensation. Or you can go to a team built with a bunch of players that maybe they're not the best team in the world, but you can convince them, hey, if you add Hopkins and give us this, you're going to make your team so much better. So I, it, it's, I don't think, going back to your question, I don't think the Cardinals being there dictates anything, but they need to create solutions for problems that might arise once they maybe trade Hopkins and maybe move on from Hollywood Brown. Bill Barnwell, ESPN writer, tweets yesterday, sure feels like the Panthers trading for DeAndre Hopkins would be a logical second step after getting their quarterback. Obviously, the Panthers traded a lot, two firsts, two seconds, and DJ Moore, their best receiver, really their only receiver, 
to uh, Chicago, meaning that they have a big opening at wide receiver. They're going to be getting their quarterback, as he mentioned, so you'd like to have somebody for him to throw to. The problem is, do they have the assets after moving up to number one to go and get a guy like Hopkins, seeing as how the Cardinals fans would love to get a first-round pick? At the least, you're looking at a second-rounder. Yeah. I don't know that the Panthers have that. I don't think so. I And, uh, again, I think Cardinals fans... This is the thing with the DeAndre Hopkins trade. It, whatever happens, if he does get traded, and whatever compensation they get, it's not going to be enough. It's in the eyes of Cardinals fans because what the talent that he brought to this team after that David Johnson trade was just unbelievable. And even though he's going to leave with very little success with the Cardinals if he is traded, he's still one of the best receivers to ever wear the Cardinal colors I, I I understand why fans would be so upset if they don't even get a second round pick for Hopkins. It, it just this is a talent that even though he's older, yes, he had the PED suspension. There's there's just so much about Hopkins' game that really elevated this offense over the past couple seasons, and it's going to be missed if he's not with the team next season. A couple other possible suitors I had in mind for DeAndre Hopkins that maybe they could look at. Outside of the Panthers having a need at wide receiver, we're not sure about their assets. The New York Giants have a need. They just got Daniel Jones back at quarterback, so he's got to find somebody to throw to. They've got a ton of money in free age. Uh, well, Obviously, Hopkins is not a free agent, but they have cap space available to make a trade where they can take on that salary of $30 million a year or whatever it is. The Giants would be an option. An out-of-the-box idea is the Bengals, a team that just went to the Super Bowl a year ago. Um, they have three wide receivers that are pretty darn good. The problem is two of them are not locked up long-term. Jamar Chase is going to be there. But would they consider moving a guy like T. Higgins? And if you're the Cardinals, would you consider taking on T. Higgins, a guy who's a thousand yard receiver regularly, uh, but you're going to have to lock him up long term. It's almost the same situation contractually that you're in with Hollywood Brown right now. Do you want to take on another guy like that? I like T. Higgins, but are you willing to trade Hopkins for a guy rather than four picks? That's the only way the Bengals works. Yeah, and I, I think in that that term, you look at Austin Fort in the situation he's in. This is really his chance to build the fo- the the foundation of the team that he wants to create. And if he is a person who values draft picks more than free agent signings and all that stuff and growing the talent and developing, then you know what? Maybe a team like the Bengals probably isn't the best fit. But at the same time, I mean, you have to have this this is a team that with Kyler Murray, if they have a decent roster roster around him, they are one of the contenders, especially in the NFC, where there's just really no standout team aside from the Eagles this past season. Who knows if they'll be able to replicate that success next year? We'll have to wait and see. But the Cardinals can be one of the top teams in the NFC if you do attack some of those big names like T. Higgins and trade out or DeAndre Hopkins and maybe get rid of Hollywood Brown for a different player. It's it's a difficult decision. I don't have the answer, and I think Austin Fort really is going to have to make a decision on how he wants to build his career as the GM of this team based on if he wants draft capital or if he wants players. Two other fits, possibly. The uh, Tennessee Titans have nothing going on at wide receiver. No, they do not. Traylon Burks is there, but they're spending very little money in that wide receiver room. And just because you have a need doesn't make you a fit, but with Monty Austin Fort coming from that organization, I like to think that they at least have some bargaining power, I guess. 
uh, in negotiations between the two organizations, much like when Mike Hazen took over for the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, and they started making a lot of little moves yes. with uh, with Boston, where like Devin Marrero is a name I remember, Blake Swihart. Like they started making some some Red Sox swaps. Henry Owens might have even been in there in that mix. Uh, obviously, Hopkins would be a big move. So I'm not trying to compare the the size of the two transactions. The Denver Broncos. Cortland Sutton tweeted last night, I just want to be somewhere where I'm wanted. I'm paraphrasing. That's a pretty bold statement from a guy. The Broncos are another one of those teams that have three wide receivers. Jerry Judy's pretty good, but not locked up long term. Tim Patrick makes a decent salary there. But the Broncos, if they want to capitalize on trying to highlight Russell Wilson and getting him right, Adding a star wide receiver is not the worst way to do that. No, it, it would be a big pickup. It's just, again, looking to the return for value for the Cardinals, you get Cortland Sutton, who isn't a DeAndre Hopkins. So no. you need to have some more there. Um, and again, I just unhappy receivers, like, yeah, I, I, I understand receivers probably get a bad rap. They probably get the diva label on them a little bit too often. But at the same time, Cortland Sutton, I'm sorry you're not getting every pass from Russell Wilson, but. You, you just got to suck it up and you just got it like again this this is a Broncos for him for, it's a Broncos team that you know if Russell Wilson was any better or if he bounces back they are a playoff team so they're going to want a player like Cortland Sutton in that receiver room if you want to go to the Cardinals where the the future is really uncertain right now and get traded for DeAndre Hopkins i mean th- that's all you go ahead but i, I don't know i i think to to act like that you know Maybe not the best move for Cortland Sutton. Probably going to land on a team he doesn't like. Speaking of unhappy wide receivers, there's another one of them here in Arizona. That would be Hollywood Brown after Burns and Gambo talked this week with Kelvin Beecham, who I believe is a free agent, not currently a Cardinal. He said that he thinks it's time for Kyler Murray to grow up. Again, I'm paraphrasing, but basically he said, I believe he has the leadership ability. He just needs to take that step and grow up. Hollywood Brown took offense to that. He saw a graphic on Twitter that had the quote, and he basically said, uh, I'm reading it here from his Twitter account. I ain't never seen this much collusion from within. He goes on to basically say, why are you saying this on a podcast when you could have just addressed it in person? And I, I get that. I hear that a lot. We had the same conversation when Patrick Peterson was saying stuff about the Cardinals yep. and, and Kyler Murray himself on his podcast. It's like, come on, dude, you could have just called him to say that. Um But Hollywood Brown, that line about collusion from within, is there something stirring where he's not super satisfied with the organization? Because remember, Kelvin Beecham's not a cardinal. Nope. So to complain about him about collusion from within, what does that really mean? I'm not really sure. I I mean, I think the whole situation, I think Hollywood's just upset that this isn't a conversation held in private. And it's airing out dirty laundry. It is saying he needs to become, or Kyler needs to become a leader and grow. I mean, that's fair criticism. And yeah, probably coming from a teammate, probably not the best look, especially for a guy who's going into year five as the quarterback of the Cardinals. But at this, it's just a situation where I sit there and I think, Hollywood, if you haven't thought, like, I know he's your friend and everything, but if you haven't looked at him and said, he needs to improve, he needs to grow as a person, as a leader. And you're not having those conversations already in that locker room. Do you really tell this guy he's such a great quarterback? Because that's causing the problem of Kyler, who's clearly not the leader of this locker room. He doesn't have the respect of every player. It's apparent on the field and now in the offseason, we're finding out more. So I, I just I think 
I I love backing up your guy. I love backing up your buddy Hollywood Brown, but at the same time, you have to attack the the problem, and the problem is telling Kyler the truth so he can change his work ethic, so he can change his his leadership. So he can become one of the best quarterbacks in the league. The expectation, the standard that is set is you all need to improve in different areas. Kyler's area of improvement is has always been leadership. So for that to be mentioned, I think is important. Uh, one last thing to mention in the wide receiver conversation is Greg Dortch tweeted yesterday. Thank you, God. Back in Arizona next year. Time to get to work with a video of a lot of his highlights from last season. So Greg Dorch, I think a lot of people forget, even though he's not a big name and not a big physical imposing player, Greg Dorch early in the season when filling in for DeAndre Hopkins at times, he was rated by pro football focus as one of the best receivers in the nation when it came to separation. And so I think that's something that could really be highlighted in a future Jonathan Gannon offense, whatever that looks like, and whoever's on the team. Greg Dortch could be a weapon going forward for the Cardinals. Yep, Greg, Greg Dortch season 2023 is, is coming, and I, I'm happy for the guy because I think he was underutilized in the Cliff Kingsbury offense, and hopefully, again, with this new regime with Gannon, he'll he'll get a chance to really shine and be, be one of the better receivers in the league. Happy to see that for Greg Dorch. Coming up next on Arizona Sports Saturday, just getting this news this morning. Are we on the verge of a major contract extension for a future star on an Arizona sports team? It's coming up next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch and Steve present Footnotes on Arizona Sports Saturday. Footnotes is where we run through some of the stories we didn't get the chance to talk about today, but are still very important. You need to know. Zach Larson in for Mitch Vareldis today. Steve Tensmeister with you. Uh, just read this from the Arizona Republic this morning. Nick Picoro wrote this. The Diamondbacks and outfielder Corbin Carroll are making progress in talks towards a long-term contract. Sources said a potential deal that likely would lock up one of the best prospects in baseball well into the future. How do we feel about that? I, I We kind of mentioned it during the break, but I am more of the traditional kind of route when it comes to giving contracts to younger players. I need to see this talent, this hype that Corbin Carroll is getting. I need to see him actually go through and win Rookie of the Year in the National League before I'm fully confident in saying he deserves a multi-year, multi-million dollar extension. See, I don't think you give him the... 15-year, $300 million deal, like a Tatis or whatever. Please, no. (laughs) Because Tatis had proven he was one of the best players in baseball by the time he got his deal. Julio Rodriguez had proven he was an elite player at the major league level before he got his deal. Corbin Carroll's got such a small sample size. It was just September. And while I know he's going to be good and he's very athletic and he's going to be an awesome outfielder for a long time, while I know that to be true, I still think he's probably in the Wander Franco type of deal yes. area where maybe you give the guy 150 Are they willing to push to $200 million for a guy who hasn't really played much at the major league level? I'm with you. I get the hesitation, but at the same time, if the Diamondbacks have hopes of keeping some of their really good prospects around for a long time, the only way to do it is to lock them up before other teams know how valuable they are. And if you value Carroll over Alec Thomas and Jake McCarthy, who are younger outfielders that might move on, might not get a big payday, uh, then I totally am for putting your your faith into Carroll. I just, I personally want to see a little bit more before I say... 
Yeah, take all this money. I can forgive you for that. Uh, in baseball news, the WBC, by the way, the World Baseball Classic, is happening in Phoenix this weekend. I saw this story. Italy's dugout, Team Italy, in their dugout, they have an espresso machine. Those Italians. Nothing more Italian than that. Yeah. By the way, Team Italy, uh, coached by Mike Piazza. A couple of intriguing players, including Diamondbacks prospect Dominic Fletcher, who uh, made a really great catch against Panama this week. He's also had a couple of key hits. His on-base percentage is over 500 during the tournament. Uh, Aside from the espresso machine, I would say Dominic Fletcher is one thing I'm keeping my eye on in Italy. And that's what's kind of cool to me about the WBC is there's a lot of players like you have no reason to know who Dominic Fletcher is if you aren't a deep baseball fan that pays attention to prospects. But here he is performing on the biggest stage in baseball right now, which is the international stage. That's a really cool opportunity for some of these guys. Yeah, and I I mean, I don't know if necessarily he's in the position to be... He had a great AAA season last year. Was it AAA? I think he eventually got AAA. Yeah, it was AAA. It was AAA. I mean, he hit over 300 in both AA and AAA last season. He is on the track to definitely get close to making this team. Again, him playing for Team Italy and coming up with some big go-ahead hits in this uh, little pool or in the pool that he is in right now, it's big for his confidence, and I'm sure that's going to help transfer over into the minor leagues. It's just with the outfield right now, the situation with Carroll, McCarthy, uh, Thomas, you also have Kyle Lewis. There, it's, it's just a lot of lefties. It's a lot of lefties. <laughs> Fletcher being a lefty, it's going to be kind of hard to kind of take a spot in that. Outfield. They're all so similar. I mean, it's part of the reason that they felt comfortable trading Dalton Varsho, right? Another yeah. left-handed, kind of speedy guy, good outfielder. but And I like the glove, too, from Fletcher, but where does he fit in the long-term prospects? Plus, you have Drew Jones they just drafted Drew, Drew, in the yeah. first round. There's a lot of outfielders. Good problem to have, I would say. A very good problem, yeah. Maybe a shot of Nespresso will help. Uh, I saw this today. With the trade of the Panthers getting the number one pick in the draft, C.J. Stroud's odds in Vegas to go number one overall shot through the roof. So before the trade, Bryce Young's odds of going number one were minus 160. C.J. Stroud's were plus 180. Now, after the trade, it's completely flipped. C.J. Stroud, minus 425. Bryce Young, plus 350. These have leveled out a little bit over the course of the last 24 hours, but I don't know that there was any one piece of information that told me C.J. Stroud's going to the Panthers. Is that out there somewhere and I just missed it? I don't know. I mean, again, when you have Frank Reich and Josh McCown, obviously quarterbacks are going to be their strength. So you would think that maybe they just maybe there is something out there that says the Panthers just see potential in Ohio State's quarterback, even though I know recent, you know, recent memory, a lot of the quarterbacks just haven't panned out. So who knows? Maybe C.J. Stroud is the guy. Maybe it's. Will Levis. I, I'm still putting out there. Will Levis has potential to be a number one pick. Well, and then there's people are falling in love with Anthony, Anthony Richardson. Richardson. Although yeah. the rumor has been that Indianapolis is in love with him. Maybe they could get him at four if they stand pat. Somebody could jump them and trade with the Cardinals and take him. Yeah, who knows what happens? Speaking of the Cardinals, uh, would you say that they need a center now that Rodney Hudson has decided to end his career? I, I think so. Very, very much needed. Yesterday, the Tennessee Titans released 2022 Pro Bowl center Ben Jones. Could be an option for them, especially when you consider the fact that Monty Osenfort, the GM, came from that organization. Yeah, and an older guy with Ben Jones being in at oh, 33 years 
years old. Again, it's kind of sim- not exactly similar like acquiring Rodney Hudson. Rodney Hudson definitely one of the elites when he was acquired, but Ben Jones would be a serviceable center and, and big-time pickup. Keep in mind, by the way, Rodney Hudson was a cap casualty like this. The Raiders were cutting him, and then when they found a trade partner in the uh, in the Cardinals, they ended up completely flipping and doing a trade. Yep. Zach Larson, in for Mitch Varelis today. I really appreciate you being on the show with me today, man. Thanks for having me. Trevor Henry behind the glass. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to Arizona Sports Saturday.